Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. It started with a promise to a man named Abraham. God came to Abraham, who was minding his own business, and said, I want you to leave this place. I'm going to take you someplace new. Prior to that moment, life was cyclical. Nobody went anywhere. You just repeated life in a cycle. That was history. With Abraham, God broke the cycle and started something brand new. He said, Abraham, I promise you that I am going to make of you a nation and your descendants will be more numerous than the stars in the sky or the sand on the beach and all the nations of the world, all the people of the world will be blessed through your line. It all began with a promise. And that promise came to fruition on this day when Jesus Christ rose from the grave, resulting in us being here today, people of hope, people of faith, people of love. Just close it. Just close it. I think back on the life of Christ in the 30 years leading up to his public ministry and then from the moment of his baptism forward knowing that the cross lay in his future. I think about this last week as Jesus a week ago we celebrated and acknowledged the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And the, the, the disciples just giddy with excitement because they knew who Jesus was. And they had such high hopes and expectations of Jesus as he shook things up. Definitely rattling the status quo. And then on Thursday night, as he gathers with his disciples for one last teaching moment, sharing with them, instituting the Lord's Supper, and they're beginning to wonder what's going on. And that evening, they confront their greatest fears. As Jesus is arrested, what is going on? Peter was ready to fight, fight to the death. Jesus said no. Facing their fears that maybe they were wrong. And then the next day on Friday, having those worst fears confirmed, the death of their hopes and dreams shattered upon the cross as they watched him die. And Saturday, Saturday, a day of despair 
hunkered down behind locked doors, not knowing if the authorities were going to come for them next. And then came Sunday. The women. Where would we be without the women? The women went to the cross. The women went to the, they went to the tomb. Who's going to roll the stone away for us? When they got there, the stone was rolled away, not to let Jesus out, but to let them in so they could see that he was no longer there. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. And they don't know what to think. Go, go, go tell his disciples. And they go, but they still don't know what to think. And Jesus meets them on the road. And they are stunned. They run to the disciples. He's alive. It's too much. They can't process it. What are you talking about? You're nuts. You're crazy. Peter and John run to the tomb. John gets there first but hesitates to go in. Peter, Peter's Peter. He runs, he runs in and looks around inside and he sees the grave clothes and the face cloth folded up and it says he believed. But at that point all he believed was that Jesus wasn't there. On the road to Emmaus, Mr. and Mrs. Clopas, <laughs> Jesus meets them on the road. And they're going over and over what happened in Jerusalem. And, and, and Jesus says, what, what, are, what are you guys talking about? And they just stop in the middle of the road and they look at him and they say, have you been living under a rock? Do you not know what has happened this past week? How the one we thought was going to save us was crucified on the cross? And if that's not bad enough, now there's some people that are spreading rumors that he's alive. It's a conversation I would dearly love to hear. As Jesus then walks with them the rest of the way to Emmaus and starting with Abraham opens up the scriptures and explains to them all that has happened. And they arrive, and, 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 and Jesus pretends to, 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 to walk on, and they go, Don't, it's, it's late, it's late. Come, come stay the night with us. And he does, and they sit down to eat, and he takes bread, and he breaks it, and their eyes are opened, and they recognize that it is Jesus. And in that instant, he's gone, gone, traveling, if you will, at the speed of thought. Well, they're so excited that they run all the way back to Jerusalem. It's late. They don't care. They've seen the Lord. They want to talk to the disciples. So they go in and they're telling the disciples, we have seen him, we have seen him. And at that moment, Jesus appears in their midst. They're behind locked doors. This changes everything. Thomas wasn't there. Thomas shows up later. They are so excited. They are ecstatic. He's risen. What are you talking about? Thomas was there, my friends, for you and me. He was there for us. Thomas says, unless I see with my own eyes, stick my finger in the hole, I will not believe. 
It's a wonderful painting in Florence at the Uffizi Museum by Caravaggio. The incredulity of Thomas. Mr. Mosier pointed it out to me yesterday. And there's a picture of, of Jesus uh, with the wound on his side. It was on his right side. And Thomas sticking his finger into the wound. And of course, when Thomas sees Jesus in Scripture, I always wondered if he actually did stick his finger in his wound. But Thomas falls down and he worships him. And he says, I believe. And Jesus says, you, 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 you see and you believe. Blessed are those that do not see and yet believe. Doubt is such an important part of our faith, people. If we don't doubt what we believe, that means we've not really worked through what it is that we believe. And it's the working through that we begin to embrace what we believe and really believe that what we believe is really real and then allow it to impact our lives and transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. That's why He came. He came to show us the face of God. He came to teach us how to, how to live with one another. He gave us a moral, a, a moral framework within which to live. And then he told us to be gracious and generous to everybody else. To be lovers of mercy. And then he goes to the cross. As a high priest, the Lamb of God, to offer up a sacrifice once and for all. His last words on the cross, it is Finished. Finished. The same power that raised him from the dead is the power that is at work within us, transforming us until we are finished and we are far from finished. Well, I don't know about you. I am far from finished. So we have the biblical narrative, the creation, the fall, the redemption, and the restoration. The resurrection changed everything. Death is the big mystery. What lies beyond the grave, if anything? We want there to be more. We sense that there is more. God has created us with eternity in our hearts. I know that every time I look in the mirror and ask myself, when did I get old? Because in my spirit, I don't feel old. Because my spirit never ages. It matures but it doesn't age. And the resurrection affirms and confirms who Jesus is, everything that he taught, and this idea that he could be and in fact is the one final sacrifice for all our sin. The, the, the Jewish community understood that. They understood sacrifice for sin. They understood the day of atonement, that one day where the high priest would enter into the, uh, the, the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant resided. And, and he would go in uh, with, with all his vestments and he had bells uh, on, the, on the bottom of his robes so that you could hear him tinkling as he walked. And, and they had a rope around his foot as he went in in case... He dropped dead 
uh, inside the Holy of Holies. Nobody else could go in there and get him. So if the bell stopped ringing, then you'd pull on the rope and pull the guy out. That had to have happened. I mean, why, why else would you ever think, well, let's, we better put a rope around this one. Jesus, the high priest of the order of, Mel of Melchizedek. Abraham, before his name was even changed. His nephew Lot is, is, is kidnapped. And, and there's this huge battle of, of, against five kings. And, and, and Abraham goes out there and, and, and is victorious and saves and rescues his, his nephew and all of his possessions. And as he's retreating from the battlefield, he encounters Melchizedek, the king of Salem, who is a high priest to the God most high. And Melchizedek meets Abraham with bread and wine, the same elements that Jesus takes the night before he died and says to his disciples, this bread is my body given for you. This wine, this new covenant poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Inasmuch as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Melchizedek, king of righteousness, king of Salem, of peace. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything he had. When the, when the, when the Jews come to the, to the mountain, Moses brings them there and they, and they receive the law. Boy, do they, get, do they get a handful. 613 laws. The moral law, the, the ceremonial law, the civil law. And that ceremonial law, all the sacrifices that were offered uh, in, 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 the, the, for the different kinds of sins that were committed, making sure that the people understood that sin has consequences. Choices have consequences. Our choices have consequences. Every choice we make is consequential. That's the price of being significant, people, and we are significant. When Jesus begins his earthly ministry and John the baptizer sees him, he says to his disciples, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Well, that had to just hit him right between the eyes. What are you talking about? We're spending this year in Hebrews. And we're in the sixth chapter. And at the end of the sixth chapter, the author writes this. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. So after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he affirmed it with an oath. God did that so that by two unchangeable things, which is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered us may be greatly 
encouraged. We have this hope as the anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf and become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. When I was plotting out my sermons through uh, the first quarter and realized that this was going to be the passage on Easter Sunday, I just went, wow. <laughs> wow. That's just amazing. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many, many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. What did Abraham receive? That's all he received. He said, Isaac. He said, Isaac, you are going to have so many descendants. And all the nations of the world, all the peoples are going to be blessed through you. And Abraham believed, and it was counted unto him as righteousness. A righteousness that came by faith, not by works. And you know how long he had to wait for Isaac? 25 years. 25 years, folks. God makes this great big promise to him, and then he has to wait for 25 years, and he gets one son. And then God tells him, okay, now I want you to sacrifice that son. And he does. And people go, oh! You know what? That was common back then. Unfortunately, child sacrifice. Some things never change. So Abraham goes out to dutifully sacrifice his son. He believed in the promise of God. And he believed that Isaac was going to carry that promise forward. How God was going to do it didn't concern him. God could raise him back from the dead. Whatever God wants to do, God's going to do. And so, so Abraham went ahead, and he's getting ready to sacrifice Isaac, and the Lord stays his hand. And, and, and some have argued that by doing that, once and for all, God put an end to child sacrifice. But, Abraham, you didn't disobey me. You didn't disobey me. And that's where the blessing comes from that we read about here in Hebrews. Because you were faithful, I'm going to bless your socks off. And your descendants are going to be innumerable. <laughs> so cool. And, of course, we know the story. We know the story that, that, that Abraham didn't at the time. We know about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We know about the 12 sons of Jacob. We know about Joseph who goes into uh, to Israel, uh, sold into slavery by his brothers, and then, and, then, and then rises up through the ranks to become second only to Pharaoh, saving the nation of Israel and providing for his family, or saving the nation of Egypt and providing for his family, Israel, during the, during the years of famine. We know about the 400 years of slavery and Moses bringing them out of slavery to the foot of the mountain. Now, a nation, they went in as a family and that 400 years served as an incubation period and now they are a family, a mighty family and they come out to inherit the promised land. 
Oh, ups and downs, twists and turns. We talked about the roller coaster ride uh, earlier. Abraham didn't see that. The only thing he saw was the sun. And he had to wait for 24, 25 years for that. God wanted to make what he said. God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it in an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things, which is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered us might be greatly encouraged. What are those two untangible things? I got a lot of ideas in my mind of what they could be. And as you read the commentaries, commentaries on this section, they're kind of all over the map. I think one of the unchangeable things is God himself, immutable. God's character never changes. It never changes. Jesus, our high priest. In the order of Melchizedek, the high priest didn't come about until Moses. And that's 613 commands. And it was always through the line of Aaron, which is of the tribe of Eli. But Melchizedek, Melchizedek, preceded all of that. Something greater. When Jesus becomes our high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Unchangeable. Once for all. It is finished. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. The title of the sermon today in the bulletin is At Anchor. And if any of you have spent any time on ships, you know the importance of a good anchor. And you don't just set the anchor and forget it. And you got to make sure that the, you know, there's, there's different kinds of bottoms. And if it's just a rock bottom, and that, there, there's nothing for that anchor to grab onto. And so you may, you may set out your anchor, but you're going to drift until it catches on something. And then that anchor is set. But when you're at anchor, you don't just set it and forget it, like some of those things they sell on late night TV. Set it and forget it. No. It, it, if, if you're on a ship, they set an anchor watch. And, and they're taking fixes every 15 to 30 minutes to make sure that they are not drifting. And the author of Hebrews talks about that drift, that cultural current that, that draws us away from God. And that current is so strong in our day and age that we need to set that anchor and make sure that it is firmly attached We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. Now, that's, there's a couple different meanings there, a couple different layers there. It, it, what is it that has entered in? It is our hope. Our hope is that there is a reality beyond this physical world. And the curtain, we talk about the curtain in the, in the Holy of Holies that was torn from top to bottom when Jesus died on the cross, allowing us access into the inter-sanctuary, the Holy of Holies. But I would suggest to you that we're talking about a bigger curtain here. The curtain that separates us from the heavenly realms. 
that that's the curtain that has been torn and that Jesus has entered through that curtain, through the resurrection, into the very presence of God and invites us now to enter with him. If our hope is in anything other than Jesus, our hope is amiss. Our hope enters that inner sanctuary behind the curtain. There is a thin veil that separates us from the spiritual realm. And Jesus pulled that veil back. He enters in on our behalf and has become high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Unchangeable people. Unchangeable. We're living in challenging times. I don't have to tell you that. And there are huge sections of the population today that are stuck in Saturday. A day of despair. They've had their hopes challenged and they've seen their dreams die. Maybe because of COVID. People have lost businesses. People have lost loved ones. People have lost fortunes. And there's so much despair in the world today. And the statistics are not good. Our youth today are crying out for something to give them meaning and purpose. But it's not just the youth. I see it in the faces of adults as well. Despair is at an all-time high. And some would say it's mental health issues, and that's what's leading to increased drug abuse and, 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 and alcohol abuse, and that's why people are, are, are in despair. Others are saying, no, 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 it's economic. It's about economics. There's, there's so much inequality going on in the world. Other people are saying, no, 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 it's about gender. It's about gender issues. No, 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 it's about race issues. It's about this. It's about that. And we have fewer spiritual resources available to people than ever before. Because while people are trying to figure out what the problems are, all they are doing is dividing us. And the divisions that exist in our world today are the very divisions that Jesus came to heal. In Jesus, there is no male or female. Gender identity? No, 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 no. Essential dignity of all persons created in the image of God. In Jesus Christ, there is no free or slave is it about economics? No, because whether we are free or we are slaves, we have essential dignity in Jesus Christ. And by the way, those of us who are followers of Jesus should consider ourselves, according to Paul's letter to the Romans, as slaves of righteousness. In Christ there is no Jew or Gentile. Do, do, do racial differences exist? Yes, they exist. But across racial differences, essential dignity prevails. That's the message of Jesus Christ. You've been created in the image of God. Sin has separated you from a healthy relationship with God. I have bridged that gap. I have broken through the veil. I have entered behind the curtain. Anchor your hope in me. And know that there is a future. Know that there is a future. The psalmist understood it. 
in the 33rd Psalm, the psalmist writes this, We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. May Your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in You. I'd like to close with a song. I hadn't planned on this. But uh, I send out a little missive once a week that kind of recaps Sunday morning. And I realized that in my missive last week, I forgot to tell people to bring flowers for the cross. (laughs) And so... uh, I wrote this, and uh, I put it in the missive, and I sent it out on Friday, Good Friday. What do I have to offer you now that you've made me whole? What do I have to give to you except a willing soul? All my works of righteousness As filthy rags you behold Yet you've given to me eternity And a life worth more than gold Is there anything I can say Is there a way to compare? Maybe a rhyme I can sing for you Of the love we share Overwhelmed by what you have done In giving us your only son Through a work that cannot be undone And our lives have just begun And on my knees I'll come to you Proclaiming your holy name Knowing my sin's been washed away By the Lamb now slain And through the power of the resurrection You're changing our lives into perfection And when you're near I will never fear I'll always praise your name I love you, oh my King You're my all, my everything Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. The celebration of Easter doesn't end with an hour of worship. And we carry it through the day and beyond as we choose each day to live into the kingdom of God, inviting the Holy Spirit to do that work of transformation within us, helping us to become more and more like Jesus every day.